Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. You're about to hear a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show was originally recorded on January 5th, 2017. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. What a show we have lined up for you. We're going to focus on three ingredient recipes. It's that time of year. We want a little comfort. We're worried about calories a little bit, and we want ease. It's been a very complicated holiday period. We've got three ingredient recipes coming your way. We're going to talk about those. We've got a terrific Italian wine for you, a discovery, and we're going to discuss that. It's from the Veneto region of Italy, so that's exciting, and it's widely available in our region. My treasured food buddies are here, senior contributors Chris Prosperi, Alex Province, and Mark Raymond, plus our special guest later on in the show, Julia Tertian. She has a new cookbook out called Small Victories, and ooh, Happy wife, happy life, chocolate cake. That's oh, yeah. I'm just going to say that. Okay, I know that's not calorie friendly, but it is delicious. So we're going to talk about this. Hey, everybody. Hey. 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 Robin Doyan Aiken is with us, too. She is our senior producer. Hey, Robin. Hello. All right. So I know you're all about the three ingredients, too, Robin. Let's kind of go round about this. Mark, you had one I, I loved. It's pretty simple. You, you know those big avocados that you get at the store? You cut it in half. You throw in a little canned crab meat yep. and then cut up some cherry tomatoes and then you've got yourself like this crab meat salad. So you sprinkle the cherry tomatoes around the plate? Yeah. And the, so you've got a put half the crab of a in large the, avocado. In put the, the crab avocado, right in the avocado. In the bowl. And no, then would, you just start you, slicing it up and you got it. Well, would you squeeze meal. anything on that? We're not going to count lemon or yeah. something or I, olive oil. I would definitely put some. Lemon or olive oil, salt, salt and pepper. pepper. Sure. If you wanted to put a little smoked paprika on it. Oh, that yeah. That could be Red fun. wine vinegar, maybe. Yeah. That is a great one. That yes. is really a great one. We're going to be giving you these as time goes on. We're going to come up with a lot of these ideas. Chris Raspberry, what do you have? All right. Three ingredients. Three ingredients. A can of white beans, a package of turkey pepperoni, and a little bit of a low-fat Italian dressing. Mix it all in a bowl, and you got a quick bean salad. Nice. Let's go over that again. A can of white beans. Drained. Just drain them, put them in a bowl. Some turkey pepperonis, my new go-to. Little. Chop it up? No, it's already come sliced in a little package. Just oh, that. throw it in there yeah. and then add whatever your favorite low-fat or low-calorie Italian dressing, tablespoon or so, and mix it up, taste it, and boom, done. Would you put it on rice? On no, I would just pasta, eat. I would put a little piece of fish on top of it. You could load a baked potato with sure. that? Sure. How about a nice little piece of salmon on top? Yeah. Okay. Or some or shrimp. you or, were yeah. saying, though, that those three things would be fine I for would you eat for it a little totally. Yeah, or nice snack. Okay. snack in the afternoon. Three ingredient yeah, thing. Absolutely, I'm, you I'm, could pack that for a salad for lunch. Totally, I'm liking that. Robin, do you have one? I do. I love a rice bowl just filled with leftovers. Oh yeah. So white rice or brown rice, whatever you like, and then 
whatever the sides were during the week, green beans, mm-hmm. whatever, throw that in. If you've got some cherry tomatoes, throw that in. Mix it all up. Different if you every had time some onions, like chop them in. Throw Absolutely. It, whatever it is. And mm. then do you put any kind of dressing on that? or do you just... I like it plain, but the kids would like a little butter in it, you know, just okay. to... What about like soy yeah. sauce or tomato yes. sauce? Yes, yes. Mm. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So you're cleaning out the week's leftovers and making a kind of no stir stir fry, you know, in a sure. bowl. You're doing a rice bowl. I you like that a lot. Too. Or like a an egg. Yeah, absolutely. So really egg. you're only cooking was the rice. Yeah, yeah. Or if you had leftover or, rice yeah, from a Chinese yeah. meal. A lot of times rice. I have leftover yeah, rice, so I'm yeah. not even cooking that. But I do like to put it on the stovetop because everything gets a little crispy and warm, and it's great. These are good ideas. All right, Alex Province, what do you have? Don't laugh, but Chris and I both love white gravy. So I yum, would take yum. a saute pan with a little butter, some flour, salt, pepper, and pour some milk. Salt, pepper doesn't count, right? Right. And then all of a sudden you just whisk, 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 and you make this beautiful white gravy, and I would pour Pour that on like a tube of biscuits or some white bread or something yeah. like that. Very southern, but it sounds funny, but so scrumptious. Mm. <laughs> it's a basic bechamel, but it sounds so simple. But if you try it, it's remarkably good. Ah, and you put it right on. And on you hot put biscuits. if you're someone who wants to substitute protein for hot biscuits, you don't understand why someone would. But let's say they do. Chris, <laughs> you could put it on fried chicken, chicken, chicken fried cutlet. steak. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So <laughs> southern cooking. Uh-huh. I love it. <laughs> so mine is going to be red potatoes. Okay. Ground beef. Mm-hmm. And a jar of green olives, you know those sliced green pimento yeah. olives. Oh yeah, so really uh, Spanish olives. Yeah. yeah, so I'm boiling the little red potatoes okay. in one pan. I throw in the ground beef, salt and pepper, get a little garlic, whatever you could throw it in, and then the green olives. Stir, stir, stir. Take out the red potatoes, mash them up with a fork a little bit so that they're chunky, and then I put that ground beef and green olive stuff all over the top of those potatoes. Instantly done. So red potatoes, ground beef, green olives. I like it. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Want to go around again? This I got another Yeah, keep going. <laughs> All right. So along that whole rice bowl thing, white rice, and then, you know, you go to the grocery store and they have those marinated teriyaki steak tips. Yeah. And sometimes you can get them for like five ninety nine a pound, whatever. And you take those, you put those in the slow cooker before you leave. You come home, you steam a little broccoli. Nice. You got your rice, put it all together, beef. and you got your nice, again, a nice a little one. simple meal. It's slow cooker in like red wine or something? Yeah. Just in the teriyaki marinade. Yeah. Oh, it's already in. It comes in. already oh, marinated. Yeah. So when you get okay. home, it's completely cooked. Ooh. And, and it, it falls apart great. and it smells oh, delicious. Wow. And the gravy is kind of yeah. simmered into the bottom of the bowl. And you just pour that over the rice with the broccoli. You've created a nice little Chinese takeout. Yum. That is great. Chris, do you have another one? Oh, I have so many. I know you do. <laughs> how I, that's why how much time around. you got, right? <laughs> I'll give you the easiest and bringing back to childhood kind of thing. How about elbow macaroni, mm. tomato sauce, and ground beef? Nice. Yeah, it's right? like goulash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right? Uh, you can trick it up a little bit by putting or other things in beefaroni it. Or or the, yeah, or the original <laughs> Chef Boyardee. Yeah, right? I mean, how simple is that? And who doesn't love that? Oh, I do. Add a little butter, add a little cream to kick it up a little bit. And you know something's good when they put it in a can. Yep. You know, if a recipe was that good, they had to put it in a can. I'm with you. 
Does anyone <laughs> remember? Desperate. I'm trying not to. Does anyone remember brown bread in a can? Yes. yes. Oh, I thought that was goodness. like a Canadian French thing. Where, like a Yankee where did thing. that go? I it's think it here. is a Yankee. I thing. bet you it's could still, still find it. Yeah, yeah. Where is it? Is it from no, a country you, store catalog? I or bet something? you could still find in it in Madison Stop and Shop. Seriously, I've never seen that. My grandmother used to serve it with hot dogs and beans. There you go. Hot dogs, beans, and brown bread. There you go. Three ingredients. There's a three ingredient recipe right there. That, oh, that's like probably it. not the one you were going <laughs> to... I didn't say I'd recommend it. <laughs> oh, come on. We all grew up having hot dogs and beans. Yeah. You know? The baked beans in the can. Oh, chop yeah. Chop up hot dogs, throw it in there. That's come a meal on. in itself. That's a meal in oh, itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's two ingredients. <laughs> How about a little cheese on top for your third ingredient? <laughs> there you go. So this is one I think you've done before, and my mom always does it. In a saute pan goes fresh spinach with a little olive oil, wilt it down, and then she'll put little slivers of garlic just to get a little flavor in the olive oil, and then crack an egg and sort of whisk it together with a fork, and then it makes this sort of like frittata, sort of mm. eggy, spinachy, garlicky, yeah. perfect lunch. Oh, that's so you do that, right? I remember or, yes, you saying or that. even at dinner. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some nights you just don't have time. That's great. It's, it's a busy work time for me, so I'm just throwing things together many times, and that's the perfect kind of thing. Garlic yeah. and cooking olive oil instantly makes you happy walking. It just smells like it smells up the house so wonderful. As we talk about these three ingredients, think about what you want to have in the larder, as we call it. You know, you want to have some lemon lime in the refrigerator drawer. You want to have olive oil. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to have a crushed red pepper in the spice cabinet. Absolutely. Salt and pepper, of course. Capers. Yeah, a few olives. Let's consider that these basic things are somewhere around. You maybe don't have them on any given time, and you can still throw together something. Absolutely. Okay, so here's one. I like to do canned soup as the base of a stew. Mm. And so I will get a can or a plastic container I've bought at the fish market, let's say, of some store-bought soup. I grab a rotisserie chicken or uh, some cooked shrimp, and then I just throw in a veggie, uh, some chopped veggie. So you've got canned soup as the base. Rip some meat off of that rotisserie chicken or throw in your cooked shrimp to warm it up saute the veggies and dump it in and you've got a, an instant stew. It's like yeah. a Japanese soup or something, yeah. right? I mean, if Mushrooms you, or bean sprouts. Yeah, if you want to, you certainly can. You know, if you had an extra little wine left over in a bottle, sure. you could put some in. You know, you could just fool around. Oh, yeah. But those are just three basic things that will make an instant stew for you. Yeah. Okay. Boy. Let's do one more round. One more. Do one more round. Robin? So my son, Evan, he's eight and he loves broiled sausages. And they go with everything. So the easiest sort of side that I make is just some sautéed pears. And if I don't have a pear, then I will actually will broil the sausages. And sometimes I do turkey sausage too. It's not always Italian or spicy, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I trick them sometimes with the turkey sausage. Tastes the same. Nice. <laughs> sometimes I like to roast some red grapes. That's always a good side with sausage. So if you don't count the butter that I'm sautéing the stuff in, then it's two ingredients, sausage and either pears or grapes. Mm, Nice. I love Ah, it. Mm -hmm. Isn't this fun? Yeah. This is so fun to me. And all economical, too. Yeah. I mean, that's the side benefit. Come up with three ingredients that make a meal and to not feel bad about that, but to pursue it on purpose. To to think. 
and we're not coming up with things just for the sport of it that don't taste good. These things really taste good. Exactly. <laughs> so remember we were talking about French bread pizza. Um, one of the things that I love to do is take a baguette and slice it horizontally and then put on top of it a jar of the red sauce, some chopped vegetable of some kind. It might be frozen broccoli I have, no matter what it is, then a sprinkling of cheese. Mm. If you're someone who likes meat, you could chop up some chorizo or some, yeah. you know, whatever ham. meat happened to be hanging around. Mm. Yeah, ham, and throw that on top. If you had mushrooms, you could substitute one of those. But you could just take three things with that jarred pizza sauce and a baguette, which you could toast in the oven first, and then put on vegetable, put on a little, you know, a little sliced meat, and sprinkle of cheese, and you have an instant pizza. Really, that's what the pizza dough is anyway. Yeah. That's what we had for school lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I used to love Friday's French bread pizza. You know, in pasta sauce or spaghetti sauce or pizza sauce, we always take whatever's left in the jar. We always put it in the Ziploc bag and freeze it. So we always have a freezer full of like a quarter of a cup or a half a cup of leftover Red sauce. Great yeah. idea, yeah. And then you just, you know, microwave it or put it in hot water for a second. Right? That's for your recipe. Great. We never waste I love it, never throw too. it away. Yeah. I've got one. Takes a little practice, but tortilla española is only three ingredients. So in a big saute pan, you're just sauteing in olive oil, onion, and, you know, sliced potatoes until they're soft. You're going to put them in a bowl and then crack in some eggs and then sort of make this batter. And then you just fry it in a saute pan on one side, flip it with a plate. Under the other, awesome. three ingredients, awesome. and just salt. And it's so, it's so good. good. And just leave it at room temperature. Oh, and yeah. I'll tell you, it all day. I just did that recipe recently, yep. and I threw in a little Spanish chorizo that yeah. I sliced up. Makes it red. And it just adds More. in a different kind of flavor. Yeah. And you've got a real meal or yeah. an appetizer there. That with a little yeah. low glass of beer. Yeah. Right? That's Glass of red wine. Let's have it. Yeah, I love it. You know, if you have, we're doing three ingredient recipes. We've got a, a great Italian wine coming your way next. And we have Julia Tertian with her cookbook, Small Victories, some terrific things, including the chocolate cake that uh, is just kind of wild and wonderful. This is really fun for us to do these three ingredients. And we want to invite you, if you have a three ingredient thing, that you do at home, would you tell us on Facebook? Because we'd like to share more of ours. We feel like let's spread the wealth on this. What do you do? Absolutely, this is guilt-free. We're, we're telling you we love to do this too. If you've got some three-ingredient thing that you do, please go to Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on Facebook. Tell us what is your three-ingredient recipe, and we'll be chatting with you about that back and forth as you do that. Okay, so here's one that I uh, love to do, and it is what I call the meatloaf casserole, <laughs> where I will take either meatloaf casserole. turkey or beef. You know, I'm not even going to do the beef, the veal, the pork, you know, just beef or turkey, an egg, and then the stuff that just hanging around, like Robin was talking about in the refrigerator, a bunch of vegetables hanging around, throw them in. You got some crushed red hot peppers, you like a little spicy? Throw them in. Nice. Cheese inside there, throw them in. Do what you want to put. You like ketchup on the inside of the meatloaf or a one sauce inside your meatloaf. Anything you want to do. Just the basic three. Okay, the egg yep. the, as a binder or the egg white as a binder, the meat Turkey. and some kind of some kind of vegetable, yeah, any it. kind of spices you want, any seasoning you want. Simple. And boom, into a loaf pan or a round dish, into the oven, and you're all set. Mm. Like a 
Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. How about a bag of sauerkraut, a package of kielbasa, a half a beer, and one of my slow cookers? Oh, yeah. Put that together for us. Yeah. Take a kielbasa, and I wouldn't even use a knife. i just break it up into pieces, throw it in the bottom of the slow cooker, take my sauerkraut, drain it, throw that in on top, and then dump in a half a beer, put the lid on, click it on low for eight hours or four hours on high, and you're Love done. Love it. To go put into a grinder side, roll? Yeah, put a side of mustard. Right. <laughs> What's the beer doing in this recipe? Just adds a little more liquid to it. Flavor. Okay. And flavor if you like a good beer. Okay. Yeah. And if mm. someone can't have alcohol, little, or, oh, just what would you put in? A little broth. Chicken stock. water. Yeah. That sure. would go wow, in a, huh? a sliced spaghetti. That and... would totally. I've been doing this a lot lately. I love doing sausages in the slow cooker because they cook Juicy. so perfectly mm. yeah. and they almost fall apart. Yum. It's just heaven. A little bowl mm-hmm. of mustard on the side, put it on some crusty bread. Done. In this last minute, before we go to wine next, take our little break and go to wine. Go ahead, Mark Raymond. All right. So uh, you could get a package of boneless chicken thighs and you braise them so you cook them on each side so they get crispy and then into that pan you throw in a little chopped chorizo cover that and put that down low and just let it simmer yeah and let all that chorizo Mm, just kind of simmer right into i love it you make your white rice then you take the white rice and you blend it all together and you've got a little chicken and rice. Yeah, that's it's almost simple like a chicken and rice. instant Another. paella. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. A little white yeah. wine. Yeah. Oh, yes, of. yes. This is another version of the rice bowl. Yeah. Yeah, you know, instant paella is a great way to put a crisp. Mm. All right, here's what we've got. We've got a wine from Italy that we love, and it is around, what would you say, $15? About $15, yeah. All right, we're going to get right to it. It's drinking really well. We're just pouring that into the glass. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We are online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show was originally recorded on January 5th, 2017. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans knocked cornbread out of sight. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. Here's a question we get. How do I get the podcast? Everybody's saying they listen to the podcast of the show. What does that mean? How do I get the podcast? (laughs) It just means that we can send the show to you. If you've only got a little bit of time, you can listen to a little or, oops, I ate the whole thing as we like to say, but (laughs) all you do is sign up for it once at our site, foodschmooze.org. You just type in your email address and then that's it. The point is of a podcast is you can listen on your schedule whenever you want. You don't have to be in the car at a certain time. You don't have to be at your computer at a certain time. A lot of people are doing this, you know, in a way programming their own channels, right? Like the last time I listened to the show, I was in the car podcasting, how to stop and get gas. 
Pause. Yep. Nice. <laughs> got out, took my time, got my gas. And But if you're listening to it on the radio, you have to like, oh, you're, open the window, stick your head in the back. I've done yeah. that before. You're but. not going to believe it. <laughs> this is so similar because I'm at uh, the truck stop, exit 56, <laughs> between New London yeah, and New yeah, Haven, yeah. 56. And I have to get gas. And I'm listening to the podcast of the show uh-huh. because I'm thinking, you know, how did that? How does it really sound? It'll like, so I just jacked it up as loud as I could, mm-hmm. put down all the windows. See? <laughs> While you're pumping gas? <laughs> on you the gas side. <laughs> and no, I wanted to hear you while I was pumping. It was gas. a nice thing to do. You know, I was like, I thought and this is sharing it for, with the whole world. That's awesome. <laughs> and people, people. people are at the gym now, so it's a fun one to listen to at the gym. Oh, no, that's you're cool. you're exercising, yeah. thinking about food. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> this is why I'm here. <laughs> so, so, Faith, did you see this? We got this really beautiful five-star review from Nessa Rose, and she writes, The best cooking show. I listened when I lived in Connecticut and still now, even though I'm 6,000 miles away in Santiago, Chile. Oh, I adore Faith and her crew. Incredible. Fabulous. Oh, yeah. that so is sweet. the nicest thing. Isn't that, is that wonderful? So Makes our day. When we, It really does. You know, when we get people we've gotten listeners are talking to us from london from tunisia from jerusalem it is just i mean certainly around the united states like sure. we just got a wine question on the santa carolina pinot noir yeah. at around ten dollars a bottle depending on your wine store and uh that person was from oklahoma and we were able to respond right away and say here's the distributor in o- oklahoma for you and she yeah. said thanks a lot oh that's awesome i'm gonna go try yeah, that's pretty cool Cool. Really, really fun. Okay. So I want to get, speaking of wine, I want to get to uh, this selection. And, and this is a, a wine uh, shown to me by Mark Raymond. And it's from the Veneto region of Italy. It's widely available in our area. We've got a picture of the label, how you pronounce this or spell it, so that you can take it to your wine store. And what to say there, it's all posted at our website, foodschmooze.org. Schmooze spelled like school, S-C-H. Always remember that. It starts that way. Okay. The name of this wine is Passamento. P-A-S-S-I-M-E-N-T-O. Passamento. Mark Raymond. Yes. So Passamento and Sentimento. It's the Romeo and Juliet label. So how you'll see this in the store is it's got sort of a graffiti label. And that's actually the wall behind the statue of Juliet in the city of Verona, Aww. where people write love notes to each Aww. other. So it's a really cool label. It pops when you see it. You'll kind of know it. Can we get? Can you just pour a little of this into the glass? Okay, go ahead, Mark. All right. So Thank this you. is Thank you. this is a really interesting Italian red blend from Verona, and it's mm-hmm. uh, the three grapes are Corvina, Croatina, and yes, there is Merlot in it. They uh, take the Merlot and mm. the Corvina and they dry them good, for huh? 30 mm. days to give them richness, a little intensity. So yeah. they're almost semi-raisin-like. And, oh. then, so, and you pick a little bit of that up in the flavor. But uh, the fruit kind of pops. The acidity is there. And it's just a really delicious... Valentine's Day wine. Excellent. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. Because of the tie-in with yeah, Romeo and Julia. Yeah. 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 Right there around the corner. Clever man. Right. <laughs> that's the bottle to put on the table. Yeah. Right? There you go. Give us a present. So there's something fascinating about what you said. You know, normally that raisiny thing where they keep the grapes off the vine for a while, dry them out a little bit, would be in a big blockbuster Italian wine, a huge one like Amarone. Right. And so I would expect, you know, that is so filled with a kind of 
overwhelming prunes, dried plums, mm. you know, it's raisins, you know, it's yeah. just like whack you on the head. You would have it with this big red meat sauce. Mm. So this is using a little of that technique, yeah. and yet there's something very um, light and fresh light about it. And yeah. Clean, yeah. clean. Absolutely what clean. Is, what is that raisiny thing? What do you think it adds to the wine? Because it's it a adds, lovely thing. I think it adds a little bit more spice, mm-hmm. a little bit more intensity yeah, to the fruit. intensity for sure. And, Concentration. Right? And almost like a, oh. a, just a, you know, gets it a little bit more length on the palate. That echo that you always talk about, yeah. it just kind of stays on your palate for a little while. This is one of those wines that I think is a great sipper. And it mm-hmm. also turns out to be great with food. We had a little bit more of this earlier uh, when we were trying out Chris's dish, which was a sliced steak with a beautiful sauce, Mm -hmm. a wine sauce, and mashed squash. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting around tasting this wine with food, and it went with everything on the table. And I just thought, you know, this wine really is stepping up to food. Mm -hmm. It really does. For some people, $15 is... Not too much to pay for what they would say uh, a table wine because you would have a a glass or two and you Mm -hmm. would have it for a couple nights, uh, maybe even three nights if you're going by the glass or for the weeknights. A lot of other people want a $10 wine as a table wine. Sure. This is a perfect wine to bring in as you Mm -hmm. come to eat dinner at somebody's house. I'm thinking like great short ribs. Yeah. Yes. Also, buco. that would be perfect. Also, Can you imagine buco. like in the slow cooker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know something? I'm not kidding. I know you usually would want something with a little more oomph for body to have with pizza or. But I would have this I one. Oh, too. absolutely. Yeah. It's absolutely. it's it's got a brightness to it that just and I go lighter a little too. Fruit, yeah. yeah, low fruit I would forward go fish yeah. or chicken too. Beautiful little oh, yeah. swordfish. Totally. Okay. I've got, Very versatile. I've got berry. Sort of dancing around way at the back of my tongue, almost down my throat. And then that little bit of dryness that appears in your mouth, Mm. what we call that tea bag thing. Mm. You know, because there's a tiny bit of tannin in here. That's what that's coming from. But not overwhelming. No. It's really well balanced. This is a very smooth little operation, this wine. Pasiomento. And it's around $15 a bottle. We find sometimes that the prices vary. Some wine stores, if they're small, have to add a dollar or two. Sometimes people can sell it at a discount. But we'd say roughly $15 for this wine. Very nice choice, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. These handmade wines are absolutely worth $15. So all the effort that goes into making something that's real can like you this. Say what you mean by Well, that. you know, they make a lot of industrial wine that's inexpensive, that sure. they mass produce. It's not, I don't think, even worth $10. But you take a wine that's hand-picked, that's made with care, with real tradition. They're walking around the vine 12 times a year. All the labor that goes into a wine like this, to me, makes it worth every penny. And they take that extra time to take two of the grapes and dry them for 30 days. I mean, that's additional care. That is, And then blending it all back together. This should be a $25 bottle. It yeah. could be. Yeah, absolutely. It should be. If it was, if yeah. it was Napa Valley, wouldn't oh, it be? Oh, if this was Napa Valley, this would be that is $40. Yeah. 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 That $40. is true. So last night I was over to see a friend, Sandra Vlog, and she was going to provide some snacks, and I was bringing a bottle of wine. We could just sit around and talk for a bit. And so 
I'm looking around for a wine. I'm thinking about $15 is right. I must have been in that wine store for about 25 minutes <laughs> trying to settle on something. Now, if knowing this wine, if I had yeah. seen this, I would have grabbed this, yeah. been proud, would know that the person opposite me would say, this is good. Yeah. That's really all I want. It's like, oh, I like this. This Faith, is good. You could have used your smartphone, though. Go to your website and just type in wine and all these things come up and you can just flip through exactly. and, and find yeah. a price yeah. point that you're looking yeah. for. See, I know our bottles that we review. So when I'm cruising up and down the shelves, you know I'm looking for our bottles. Right, that, right. And, it, you know, I saw things much less, but I thought industrial produced, some yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we find bargains, $10, $12 a bottle that are all still handmade. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. from Chile, from Argentina, from France, Spain. It's Spain. Spain. Mm-hmm. We find these for you. That's what we like to do. Anyway, there's a picture of the label on our website, foodschmooze.org. Take it right to the wine store or call ahead. And uh, we tell you what to say, and they can look it up. And a good wine store will have this to you within 24 hours if it's not on the shelf. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We tell you what the distributor is, and you're good to go. Foodschmooze.org. You know, you go to the website. Thank you for, I hope we served you well during the whole holiday season because thousands of you went to foodschmooze.org, looking up recipes, talking with us, saying, can I do it this way? What if I don't have this? What? If? It was really something. And it takes real labor to hand type and enter those oh, recipes. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a recipe associates who a volunteer for this show and do this for you so that they can get first glimpse at these recipes <laughs> and also so that, you know, they like public broadcasting and, and so they're volunteering their time and they are really helping our show. And Very so we cool. would like to thank Paula Pierce and Jason Black. You might see either of them also on Facebook. I know I see Jason all the time. I just thank you so much, you folks. This is stuff that goes on behind the scenes at the show. In our next segment, I can't wait to get to this, Julia Tertian. Her new cookbook is called Small Victories. You might know her name. You might not know her name. People in the food world know her name. I am so glad that she has done a cookbook. Recipes, advice, hundreds of ideas for home cooking triumphs. We all want to succeed when we're doing home cooking. So these are not complicated recipes. There's a foreword by Ina Garten, and there's a reason for that. I'm going to tell you about that, too. But uh, we have that happy wife, happy life chocolate cake. <laughs> oh, that's the one I want to hear. We've got a killer chicken soup. And um, we have these turkey and ricotta meatballs. That and other things coming up there. That with the wine. This is about um, in about five minutes. But can we just talk about this article that was in the New York Times? How restaurants in New York City in particular, but Chris, you tell us if this is true Mm -hmm. everywhere. I read this article. New York, is New York too expensive for restaurateurs? And so they decide to do the math, and Mm -hmm. basically the answer is yes, Mm -hmm. it is. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing this happen. It is shopping center owners, when a restaurant gets successful, they think, ha, ha, ha. Raise the rent. I'm going to raise the rent on them because what are they going to do, go elsewhere? Mm. More and more restaurant people are saying, as a matter of fact, yes, I am because my clientele Mm -hmm. will follow me. Exactly. And it's not that we fault anybody in this equation. Everybody's got to watch out for themselves. Mm -hmm. But this is what we're seeing happen. In New York City, it's unbelievable. The the, the price of rents Mm -hmm. in New York City. 
This is why you're seeing all the innovators on the Lower East Side. Everybody keeps shifting in Queens. Mm-hmm. They're shifting to affordable rents. Yeah. And people are traveling to get to these places. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I think you see a lot more chains moving into the city, which I never thought would happen. Because they're the ones that can afford the rents. Because their food cost is lower. Their operating expenses are lower because they own multiple, multiple units, right? And it's a shame to see that the independents getting forced out with these high rents. Yeah, that is you know? really a shame, is. A shame to yeah. see. Because, I mean, that's where innovation comes from, these small restaurants, right? These startups. But they're rewarded, though, by having such a volume in New York City. So many people walking by your restaurant. Yeah, well, but the restaurant's is... the highest failure yeah. rate of any yeah. business. Yeah. Wow. So you better mm-hmm. know what you're doing. Every penny counts. I never thought when I got into this business over 20 years ago now that I would be calculating a minute or 10 minutes worth of gas on a burner. Wow. Because that's what it takes now to run a restaurant. Every penny counts. Our costs keep going up, but not in relation to our prices, right? Our prices have stayed pretty steady over the past 10 years. And everything else has gone up. Labor has gone up. Everything's gone up. So you really do have to start to stay competitive. You have to look at everything. Let me ask a question. Can you raise the price of every item on a menu or certain items on a menu by 50 cents? And make up for the price increase, and will customers notice the 50 cents? You could raise it without the customers noticing it, but the prices are going so crazy that 50 cents isn't it. That's not going to do it. Wow. It's not going to do it. I mean, look, at, it look in your supermarket, right? Buy the glass mm-hmm. wines. If, if you go up 25 cents, people get upset because oh, yeah. they're used to spending some amount, and now mm-hmm. it's gone up. Yeah. No one likes it. And the other thing, and a friend of mine who owns a restaurant mm-hmm. in West Hartford, Billy Grant, said it once a long time ago. I never thought, you know, chilies and and, Chipotle. Uh, Chipotle, th- those would be my competition. And they're not their direct competition, but people are using that as benchmark it's pricing. like a metric? Yeah, they're using it as a metric. Oh, at this place, I can get that glass of wine for six bucks, yeah. you know, and it's a, a Pinot Noir. And But if I go to your place, the Pinot Noir is $14. But what they don't realize is they're different Pinot Noirs, right? We're talking about the ones that are handmade and like you were just saying, Alex, and the ones that are, you know, manipulated mm. and whatever, and those are cheaper. But the customer sees Pinot Noir. Mm. See this? I'm really glad we talked about this. We've got a great cookbook coming your way. If you want uh, victories in your kitchen, we're going to give them to you. We've got some, uh, really, this is Julia Tertian, so I can't wait to do this. And uh, don't forget that we have lots of farmers markets in our region now open in the wintertime, which is really fantastic. I love that. And I hope that list keeps growing because we love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers for on-demand podcast delivery of this show, The Food Schmooze Party, every week. And to find also our terrific food, wine, cocktail, restaurant, hot topic subjects, our short, fun streaming videos, and the recipes we feature we are always online talking with you at foodschmooze.org and don't forget tell us on facebook what is your favorite three ingredient recipe tell us share it with the world and we'll talk back and forth with you that's at faith middleton foodschmooze we'll be right back with julia tertian
You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show was originally recorded on January 5th, 2017. Teach me all your favorite foods I want to cook for you. Teach me all your favorite foods I want to cook for you. Teach me all your favorite foods I want to cook for you. Teach me all your favorite foods I want to cook for you. This is the Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, and that means the Hamptons, of course. The senior producer is Robin Doyon Aiken, and to hear the show on WNPR, it airs, as you probably know, Thursdays at 3, podcasts, and our curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org. You can, of course, talk with us on Facebook. Facebook, as you have for this show, Three Ingredient Recipes. That's our subject there. Just search Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on Facebook. I want to start this way. It is hard to write a cookbook. Here's why. You might understand flavor combinations. But what if the recipe that you made up in your kitchen for, say, two people can't be just automatically scaled up to feed six people without adjusting all the ingredients in all these ways you hadn't expected. And that's why cookbook authors, even famous ones, turn to recipe developers, as they're called, who can also write. And one among the very best we have is our guest, Julia Tertian. She has been a significant talent behind Mario Batali's books, Gwyneth Paltrow, Ina Garten, and many more. We are delighted because Julia Tertian has been asked to do her own cookbook, and well, she should. It's called Small Victories, Recipes, Advice, and Hundreds of Ideas for Home Cooking Triumphs. The foreword of the book is written by Ina Garten. On our website, foodschmooze.org, we have recipes from Small Victories, turkey and ricotta meatballs that are turn out to be gluten-free, plus the Happy Wife, Happy Life chocolate cake. Julia Tertian lives with that happy wife in upstate New York. Welcome to the Food Schmooze Party. Thank you so much, Faith. I'm so happy to be on the show. Oh, it's great to have you finally on this show. So tell us what happened that in the midst of doing these cookbooks for all these other people, what was it that you wanted to do with this one? Well, the sort of advice that I've given to everyone I've worked with and the advice that I try to follow myself is to really only put material out there in your own voice if it's, you know, only something you can say. So I felt like I was at the point where, you know, I had co-authored a number of books. I had worked as a private chef for a really long time, so I was cooking meals for families in their homes. And I've been a home cook myself in my own home, wherever that, you know, might be for my entire life. So I had this sort of cumulative experience as a very, you know, kind of active home cook in all these different ways. Mm -hmm. And this experience of writing down recipes and stories. And I just felt like I was at a point where I had gathered enough that I thought would be really useful for other people. So I, sorry, that was one of my dogs just barking. <laughs> I saw, and, I um, saw, I saw the tails in the various, <laughs> various pictures, you know, in the, in the cookbook. I thought, quiet. oh. Promise to be quiet. Oh, well. So I just thought I had all these, you know, tips and tricks and thoughts that I had picked up and, mm. 
home cooking has just been the most positive part of my life, and I just wanted to make it as approachable for other people. Oh, I'm so glad you did. On this show, we get very tired of chefy cookbooks that begin with make a rabbit stock. (laughs) So we're just thrilled that you have the home cook in mind. I wanted to mention before we get to our featured recipes that there's a recipe in uh, Small Victories for sour cream pancakes with roasted blueberries. And I think, because there's a little caramelization of those blueberries, I think this is a genius idea, Julia. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. Those are really good. And the the blueberries are, I mean, it makes this sort of like instant kind of jam, rich, you know, roasted flavor kind of compote thing that, I mean, they're great on the pancakes, but they're also great on ice cream or yogurt or... Mm. Yeah. So let let me ask you and Chris, of course, this pancake recipe has flour in it, as most pancake recipes do. For those of our listeners who are gluten-free, is there any way to uh, substitute for that regular flour, the wheat flour? I actually, just this weekend, my my wife, Grace, she's not gluten-free, but she has type 1 diabetes, so carbs are a big issue, which sort of translates to gluten. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. she actually made them this weekend substituting almond flour for the regular flour. And then because, you know, nut flours can be just, I at least find them a little heavier, she took the extra step of the eggs in the recipe. She separated the yolks and the whites and whipped the egg whites and folded them in. So it was a little bit more work, but it added a little bit of kind of lightness to the batter. Ah. Um, oh. And they were great. They were really, really great. Oh, good for her. Yeah, pancakes, pancakes are one of the few things that substituting a nut flour or any of the other substitutes really does work. Okay, so here we have, I'm, I'm dying to get to this, Aunt Renee's chicken soup. <laughs> uh, this is your dearly departed Aunt Renee. And I guess she was quite a character, as you say. At this time of year, everybody gets interested in chicken soup. Tell me the the thing that you're doing in this recipe that gives it more of that chickeny blockbuster flavor. Sure. I mean, it's definitely, I would say, probably my favorite recipe, not just in the book, but in life. (laughs) Um, You know, it's on the cover of the book. It's so great. It's the food I would eat every single day. And it's also just emotionally just such a significant food in my life just because it ties me so closely with my family. I've eaten it forever. So sort of going to the logistics of the recipe, I would say the two things that give it its sort of extra true chicken-ness, as you're talking about, are um, the fact that I just let it cook for a really long time. And I think there's really, you know, even in our sort of like microwave paste world, there's no substitution for a long cooking time. And then the other thing is just putting extra chicken wings in the broth itself. There you go. There you go. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just did this the other night. We had one of those store-bought stocks in a box, and we were trying to make a risotto, and so we quickly called up a friend at the supermarket and said, get a whole bunch of chicken wings, and we threw it into the store-bought stock. So So I was so excited to see these extra chicken wings in your soup. And she's right about the cooking time. Like whenever we have a snow and I stay home, I wake up and I plan my lunch, and I love making chicken soup. I start my chicken soup like when I'm eating my breakfast, knowing I'm going to eat it for either Mm -hmm. lunch or dinner. Mm -hmm. And if you cook it for four hours or three hours on the lowest simmer – Oh, my God. And there is something about this kind of chicken soup that has that richness that that Julia has achieved here. That is dinner. 
The book is called Small Victories. Julia Tertian is our guest, forward by Ina Garten. And I'm yeah. turning now to the other recipe for uh, your turkey and ricotta meatballs. And these do turn out to be gluten-free, which is unusual. Mm-hmm. Usually there's a lot of bread yeah. in meatballs. So tell us about this, Julia. These meatballs are, it seems like they're the most popular recipe from the book. They're the one thing that I feel like so many family and friends are telling me they're making. And I see them pop up on Instagram and stuff, which is really fun. And I love them because they're so easy. They are gluten-free. There's no breadcrumbs in them. There's no eggs. And it wasn't on purpose to take those things out for any dietary reason. It was just because I wanted to use a lot of ricotta in the mixture. So it was just from mm-hmm. a pure like, flavor perspective. We like this very much. Yeah, I love when you simplify something and then the result is even better. Like That makes mm-hmm. me so happy. So the mixture is just it's ground turkey and ricotta cheese and a whole bunch of fresh herbs and some garlic and I added extra Parmesan cheese. And you're using yeah. whole, whole peeled tomatoes in a can for this. Yeah, for the sauce. And you can make the meatballs with or without the sauce, but I love meatballs and tomato sauce. So that mixture, Mm. you roll them into meatballs. Mm. They're just, they're so easy. And then you roast them instead of browning them in a pan, which again is something that makes them healthier, but it's also just less work. (laughs) Yeah. Keeps your kitchen cleaner. This exactly. this is such an iconic food, the meatball. I mean, we see in New York and in lots of other places, even some places sure. here in our region, you know, stores that do nothing now but serve meatballs. There's of restaurants. Every yeah. Yeah. Meatball restaurant. That's how big this is. Okay, but, go ahead. But thank you for doing one without egg and breadcrumbs or bread yeah. because it doesn't need it. If you look at a hamburger, it holds together and exactly. it just tastes so much better when it's just the meat yeah. and seasoning. No, I think mm. eggs and breadcrumbs, I mean, you can't add one without the other. Like yeah. the eggs make the mixture have so much more moisture, so you mm-hmm. need something to absorb it. And if you add breadcrumbs, it needs something, you know, vice yeah. versa. So taking them both out, it works. And it I makes think, sense. You know, and I get that those ingredients are, you know, more affordable than meat and they stretch a pound of meat into... Something yeah. much more. But turkey's think, not that expensive, right? No, no. And the ricotta, I mean, my mother-in-law, she loves these meatballs, and she was like, it was the first time she said she felt like she ate something with turkey that wasn't so dry. <laughs> yeah. gives it all that moisture, but... I wonder if Greek yogurt would work. Comes. I haven't tried that. I wonder. That's a I good thought. If you happen to have it. I wonder uh, if um, cottage cheese would work. Mm. Oh, my God, that would be yeah. a riot. But I got the sweetest note from someone on Instagram, and she said her child has an allergy to eggs, so they never make meatballs, and they thought that was not something her family could have. And now Aww. they have this recipe, and I basically burst into tears. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was so great. Very quickly, a mention, because I need to get to the Happy Wife, Happy Life chocolate cake. Flounder with roasted tomatoes and black olives. We started mm. the show talking about a kind of basic three-ingredient recipe so that you don't have to go crazy, busy schedule, weeknight, whatever it might be. Or you don't cook or you're scared of cooking three ingredients, you can do this. And in a way, that's what this recipe is, flounder uh, with roasted tomatoes and black olives as the essential ingredients. And that is just a wonderful combination. And that's what a great recipe creator does. You can taste everything. Everything's not overpowered. So thank you, Julia. Here we go. Let's do Happy Wife, Happy Life chocolate cake. (laughs) Can't wait to hear how this came to be. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad also you mentioned the flounder. It's one of my favorite recipes. It's like one of those things that seems much more complicated than it is. So I love that. And the Happy Wife, Happy Life cake is, just as it sounds, it's my wife's favorite 
cake, so I've made it for her because that keeps, you know, things happy. (laughs) (laughs) And it is so easy to make. It's a great cake recipe for someone who is maybe a little nervous to bake because it's basically almost like a cake mix. Like you put everything into one bowl, stir it together, put it in a pan. It just couldn't be easier. There's no like creaming butter and sugar together, anything like that, any steps that could be a little bit intimidating. And then the frosting is just my favorite thing. Um, It's Mm -hmm. so simple and it's so good. And it's just sour cream mixed with melted chocolate. And I put a little bit of maple syrup just to kind of give it a little glossiness, but you even can leave it out. You don't need it. And And, and we should say that in the cake, you have a butter baking soda baking powder. All of it, as you mentioned, goes into the bowl. But there's also that little secret ingredient of strong black coffee and either buttermilk or plain yogurt, which is giving that cake moisture, right? Absolutely, yeah. And the coffee is, I think, I've noticed this in a lot of Ina Garten's recipes. Mm-hmm. There's, she often puts coffee with chocolate or other, what I think of as these sort of like supporting roll ingredients, these accents. And it's, it's something, when you add coffee to chocolate, it kind of boosts the flavor of chocolate. And it really, you know, it adds not just moisture to the cake batter, but it really brings out the flavor of all the chocolate you're putting in it. And I feel like I always have a little extra coffee left in our coffee pot. So it's a good excuse to make yeah. it. Yeah. And you say here in a little side box that you can just distribute this batter into the muffin tin and make cupcakes out of this, make chocolate cake muffins. Doesn't that sound good? Yes. With the same frosting. There's something, (laughs) you know, guiltless about that. Chocolate sprinkles on top. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, really, I'm not a baker. I'm terrified of baking, and I cannot wait to make this cake. You can absolutely do it. And, yeah, also at the end of the recipe, every single recipe in the book has what I call spin-offs, and they're just variations. So this cake can not only be cupcakes, but you can also leave out that cocoa powder and coffee we're talking about and have a great vanilla cake. There's a really easy vanilla frosting. So every recipe can be sort of so many recipes. So the idea is once you know how to make this cake, you can turn it into so many things. So I think it's, it's hopefully very empowering for a new baker. Yeah, yeah. That is, we so it's appreciate Like all of that. us here. <laughs> We're not the best bakers, right? <laughs> I like to eat. Yeah. I, like to eat I can cook, but I can't bake. But I think I can make that cake. You yeah. can definitely make it. For next week? Sure. Chris's Chris. father is a renowned teacher of pastry at the CIA. And so the big joke here on the show, Julia, is that Chris can't bake and I can't either. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I can't make pie dough we often, or cake. We often turn to his father to, to, about what to do. Or will he make it yeah. for us? <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. It's such a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to talk to you guys. That's some of my favorite recipes. Small Victories by Julia Tertian, T-U-R-S-H-E-N, forward by Ina Garten. And this is a book of recipes, advice, and hundreds of ideas for home cooking triumphs. We're on WNPR Thursdays at 3. You know our slogan, never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Everybody eats when they come to mind.